Good to be back with you. <laughs> All right, welcome to everyone. <laughs> I'm afraid this is going to happen. Okay, studies in Romans. Our title of our lesson today is Justified by Faith. Good to see everybody today. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I need your help this morning, helping every part of our services today. Every Sunday school class, help our pastors, helping every aspect of our worship today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, this lesson is taken from <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 26. This may be a very short preliminary this morning. The other day I was supposed to substitute for the band director at Lewisburg High School, which means I would have done next to nothing because he had a student teacher doing everything, you know. No, no. No, no. He came, he came in. He decided he was going to come in. He felt guilty staying home or something. So <laughs> they sent me to the middle school, and I coughed my way through English classes over there. You never know. You just never know. But here I am. Okay. The key verse today. <coughs> Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. The central truth of the lesson today, salvation only comes by faith in Christ's atoning sacrifice. Amen. Um, J.W. Bushcell wrote this, Orthodoxy can be learned from others. Living faith must be a matter of personal experience. The door to sal of salvation is always open, but God never drives anyone through it. Those who come to Christ in faith will find him able to save them. <laughs> All right. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink. Let's sing this little song. It's the same tune as Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Number 447. Same tune as Oh, for a Thousand Tongues. Number 447.
just at the top of the page there. Faith is the victory. Let's sing that. Faith is the victory. for your singing. Thank you, Crystal. All right, birthdays and anniversaries. Judith this week. Judith DiStefano, Samuel Zook, Phil Cassidy, Deb DiNicola, Jeff McDowell. Let's remember to say happy birthday to these folks as opportunity arises. All right, and announcements. Christmas caroling this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. <laughs> Oh, church Christmas program next Sunday, the 17th. Let's be praying that everything goes well with the program, with everybody involved, and all that sort of thing. Okay. Thank the Lord for a really good Christmas program at the school. Well done. Well done. And... Thankful for everybody. A number of people from our church were involved, I think. Uh, so, well done, everybody. Okay. Uh, let's be praying one for an hour. another. I don't see the Bowsers here this morning. Let's keep praying for them. Pray for the Smiths, others that are not well. Any other requests you want to mention out loud this morning? Okay, I didn't hear that, but that's okay. You all heard that. Andy Wagner. Andy Wagner, let's pray for him. <clears throat> Our church we're praying for <coughs> today is the Lewistown God's Missionary Church, Pastor Darvin Donahue. All right. And unspoken requests. Many hands. There are always a number of hands. All right, shall we stand and let's just all pray together. <coughs> Thank you, Lord, for this day. Privilege we have to come before you in prayer. <coughs> Be with us today. Help us, Lord. Help Mike as he presents the lesson this morning. Help in every Sunday school class. Help our pastors. Help in every part of our services, Lord. The offering, the singing, everything, Lord. And uh, pray for this request mentioned by Roy this morning. You know everything that's involved there. Meet every need. Thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, you'll be with the junior church meeting on Sunday evenings. Continue to help with the uh, getting of the van and so forth. Help our board members, help our pastors. We pray, Lord, you'll be with every Sunday school teacher today, this morning, in every class. <laughs> And help Brother Mason as he brings the lesson this morning here in our class. And uh, Lord, we pray you'll be with Brother Donahue and the people at Lewistown God's Missionary Church. Meet their needs. Help them in the community. And uh, make it a strong church in the community, Lord. Pray you be with uh, Andy this morning. Touch him and encourage him. Continue to be with the Bowsers and the RNs and other folks that need a touch from God. Uh, the Smiths, you know, folks, Lord, there are a number of people in our church 
that may need a touch from you, physical touch. Be with each one that's celebrating a birthday this week and help in every part of the services this coming week, the caroling and everything. We ask your gracious help in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll have the offering at this time. And let's remember Mike as he presents the lesson this morning. Thank you for putting up with my coughing. Thank you if you prayed for me. Thank you very much. Offering at this time. one of you out this morning we were talking here not too long ago on the way into church how what a shame that all this water that we're receiving is not snow I thought I'd get at least one amen here maybe two I'll tell you when it's winter and cold I'm of the opinion if it's going to be cold please bring snow at least make it worth worth the while um, because cold without snow is worthless. Um, let it be hot and warm. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Glad I'm right on that. Um, I like snow. I don't like cold. You can think whatever you want to think of that, but I think the snow is absolutely beautiful. And there's a lot of fun things for kids and teenagers that wears them out, and that's a great thing. Um, I like my kids coming into my house going, oh, I'm ready to go to bed. That's, that's, that's great stuff. Um, and it's fun to do a lot of things with them. Well, it's good to see you out this, this morning to the house of the Lord. Good to be here. Let's open with a word of prayer today. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done Thank you, Father, for the lesson from your word. And we just pray that you would help us this morning, a little while. Uh, Lord, help us as we look at your word. Your word is sharp, has a two-edged sword, and help it to divide and pierce us today. Well, thank you, Lord, for all that you do. We're praising you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we have a good lesson that I believe is relevant to a whole lot of things in our world today. Um, for many, many, many reasons. Last week, we were talking the lesson that uh, Sister Stefano so ably taught. I enjoyed that lesson so much um, in regards to the, the uh, human depravity and, and sin of humankind. And this lesson today opens with more of the same. 
However, we're, we're dealing with a little bit of different things here because before the lesson today, which starts in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, is where we're looking and forward. Um, before this, Paul is dealing and talking with uh, to the Jews. And the question is, being a Jew, does that give you a special standing before God? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Hate to tell you, but it can't be both and. It can't be both and because it's illogical. Sorry. You can't have special standing and not have special standing. And if you say that, then that's like speaking of a one-ended stick. Ah, really? So they do have special standing before God. Now you're making qualifications. So is it true or is it not? By the way, this is what Paul's addressing here very, very clearly. Because they thought they did. As long as they kept certain aspects of the law, I'm good before God. Is that true? By the way, this is very relevant for today. Very, very relevant on many, many fronts because of what's going on in the Middle East. Um, numbers of you have been to the Western Wall and have observed, some of us together, um, the, the Jewish people continuing to observe the law, continuing to make an attempt to hold very strictly to part, parts and portions of the law. Why? Why do they do that? What do they think it's doing for them? They think that it's, it's helping them to be righteous and that it's going to get them to heaven. It's going to get them special standing before God. You watch them. We stood there and watched, didn't we, as they wrapped themselves in their phylacteries. And we, you, you go there to the left into the tunnels there beside the wall, and you watch them as they're sitting there reading and, 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 and studying in an attempt to do what? to adhere to the strictest form of the law. And yet all of that adherence does nothing for their righteous standing before God. Therefore, I can look at you very clearly and say the answer to my question is a definitive, are you ready for it? No! And there's no other answer. Period. Why? You can't speak of a one-ended stick. You can't have it both ways. 
sorry. The problem comes when we build an entire theology off of the Jews having some kind of special standing before God. And I'm here to tell you very clearly based on the authority of God's word, God never, ever blesses disobedience. Period. That is true of you. That is true of me. That is true of us as the church world. It doesn't matter your standing, whether you're a pastor, a board member, what you are. doesn't matter if you're Jew, Greek, Hispanic, what you are. quote-unquote theology of what I like to term, I maybe shouldn't term it that, but our special privilege of Jews. God had a covenant with the Jews. However, all covenants aren't one way. Follow the covenants within God's Word, and they are always two-way streets. I will do this if, this will happen if. It's not just a one-way street of I'm going to bless you. And unfortunately, history has shown us that the Jewish nation, the people of Israel, have been disobedient to God's covenant. What I'm, what, and, and, and hear what I'm about to say, I fully believe that any blessing of God to the children of Israel has been due to the remnant of the obedient. Okay? And I hope I'm making sense there. There are those who have been obedient. There are Messianic Jews. While we were on our trip in Israel, I met one of them up on the Temple Mount. Wow, powerful. And I look at that and say, God's going to bless that. Yes. You say, what's this have to do with this lesson? An awful lot. Because it's pretty much what this lesson is based on. It's what it's about. We're going to get into it, but I, this is the background of this, and I think it's important for us to understand this. Okay? By the way, if you do a good study, and I'm sure, I haven't even looked at it, but I'm sure we're probably going to, it's going to be interesting, because Romans 11 is an interesting chapter that talks about this stuff. And, and the fact that uh, the branch was cut off, who is that? That's the children of Israel, and, and, and we the Gentiles have been grafted in. So there's, there's interesting things going on here. By the way, the same can be said of us here in the United States. There is also 
an erroneous, somewhat a theology, I guess we could say, that is somewhat built that God is just going to inherently bless us because we're of the United States. How foolish. Has God blessed us here in the United States? Yes, abundantly. Why? Here's why. I'm going to tell you the same exact reason why any blessing has come to the children of Israel is the same reason for us. Why? It's always due to obedience. I believe that fully. We look here, here's a remnant of people. We know we're not the only ones that are being, we, we, we know that, right? Okay. But when you look at the people here in the U.S. that are determining to be obedient to his word. And yes, we look around us and it looks so despairing, but when we look at those who have determined, you know what? No matter what's going on around us, we're going to do our very best to be obedient. God blesses that. And church, if I can challenge us this morning... His blessing, I believe, will remain on us. And, and yes, he's being merciful, loving to us. I, there is no question. But I believe that will only remain as we as the church remain faithful and obedient. Does it have to remain? When I look all around, no, absolutely not. I believe there's going to come a time of God's judgment and wrath. Okay? By the way, the same is going to be said of the children of Israel. It has been said. Has to be. Okay? But any part of God's love and mercy to us or to them is due to obedience. So we look at this, and the background of this is Paul is speaking to the Jews who think they are justified righteously before God because they keep the law. And we get here to Romans chapter 3, verse 9, and Paul begins to, to actually quote numbers of portions from the Psalms and from Isaiah. And it, and it seems as though, because there's no, it's kind of a random quoting, because he's quoting from varying passages, and it's almost as though he's just shooting off the top of his head. So we're going to start here, and these are literal quotes from the Old Testament, Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. Who? Are, are we the Gentiles better than they? For we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Doesn't matter who you are, you're sinful. As it is written, where is this written? Psalms chapter 14. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of their way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, we have another present day issue. And the present day issue, I have dealt with it over and over and over and over and over again. Can't tell you how many times. And that is the Calvinist 
those who believe in a sinning religion every day that they say you must sin in word, thought, and deed, and even if you say you don't, you actually do. And this proves it. Right here. The Apostle Paul proves it right here in Romans 3. I just read it. There's none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. None that understands. What do you say about that? He says it's the unregenerate heart. What do we say to that charge? Have any of you faced this, by the way? Maybe not. Any of you faced this with uh, those of that stripe? Any, anyone willing to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've dealt with this, I've, I've faced this? I think you have, Becky, I think you've talked to me about it. I'm sure, Caleb, you have. It's interesting, as I was studying this passage, I was looking in loads and loads of commentaries. Very, very interesting. Even, are you ready for this? Even the Calvinist commentaries, stark Calvinist, will admit, what's he doing here? He is quoting the Old Testament to show the Jews their present spiritual condition before God, even though they are trying and attempting to keep the law. I want to read to you, um, actually, what John Wesley has in his commentary. He says, Paul therefore rightly cites David and Isaiah, though they spoke primarily of their own age or their own time, he expresses what manner of men, I like this, what manner of men God sees when looking down from heaven, not what he makes them to be by his grace. There is none righteous. This is a general proposition. In other words, God is looking from heaven and what does he see? as humankind sinfulness by the way where's this coming from anybody know exactly what psalm this is did I tell you this comes out of psalm 14 what is the beginning of psalm 14 Verse 1. Anybody know? Caleb, you know? The fool hath said in his heart, what? There is no God. And then the psalmist continues, there's none righteous, no, not one. Who's he describing? He is actually describing the atheist, the fool, who says there's no God. He's not describing, correct, the regenerate heart in this passage. And anyone who says so is really, really grasping at straws for their own theology. 
Um, I searched and searched. And I, I'm sure there's one out there, Caleb, but I didn't find it. I looked for a commentary that says that. Even amongst, for example, Calvin, I couldn't find one. Why? All the commentaries, the people that write these, even of different persuasions, understand what Paul is saying here. They get it. They understand. He's describing the Jews in their present sinful condition as being unrighteous, even though they are making strict attempts to adhere to the law. Wow. So, in our sinful state, in an attempt, even those, and by the way, uh, dare we bring this right inside the church doors, maybe even our church doors, not just ours, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. The Amish look pretty good on the outside, don't they, John? A whole lot of Mennonites look really, really good on the outside. Dare I bring it into us? A whole lot of holiness people look really, really good on the outside. But ladies and gentlemen, we zoom right in. The legal aspect of keeping the law does nothing to make you truly righteous before God. And this is the heart of what the Apostle Paul is getting at. Man in its sinful condition is sinful, desperately wicked, no matter how you dress it up. By the way, history proves this, doesn't it? From the Pope to priests to pastors that you see in the news, unfortunately. The condition of man is sinful in just an attempt to keep the law. What a shame, because when you look at the Jewish people, boy, don't they do their very best to keep every little thing, right? You look them with the fringes around, they, all these things, they're doing to do what? In an attempt to get to God. And yet all of our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. The Apostle Paul continues in his treatise here in verse 13 to describe the sinner's character, not only the sinner's condition, but their character. Their throat is an open sepulcher. I'm not going to say an open sepulcher. Maybe you heard the preacher who was describing uh, man and his sinful condition as whited sepulchers, how those birds go and seek after dead things. Anyways, he had a full outline on whited sepulchers. <clears throat> what is a, a sepulcher? 
a grave, a tomb. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. What a description of sinful man. Using deceit with their tongues. When when I am in discussion with Muslims, of course, Muslims believe that uh, all mankind is born perfect, a perfect Muslim. I ask them, oh, so did you teach your child to lie? Because I guarantee you he did. Have you taught your child to steal? Where did that come from? We little children, they lie. Whether we teach them to to tell the truth or not, they will lie. Why? Because the sinful condition of their heart, deceit. By the way, the poison of an asp, this this is describing one of the most venomous snakes in the world that will kill you within minutes. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. By the way, he's pulling every one of these are references from where? From the Old Testament. He's pulling scripture after scripture after scripture from the Old Testament and what he's saying. Why? Because of who he's talking to. He's saying, even your scriptures condemn you. By the way, there's a great description here of our present day, isn't there? I am sickened at feet that are quick to shed innocent blood today. We, we have the issue of abortion, but I have seen in recent Days, just just the last months, over and over, uh, varying uh, news articles and maybe videos referencing to, um, I I remember an article and there was a video associated with it. I I forget which city it was, whether it was Philadelphia or maybe Chicago, something like this. A disabled man walking down the street and a hoodlum walks right up behind him with some kind of crowbar and just... What is wrong with us? Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. These things come out of a deceitful, terrible, sinful heart. The sinner's character is such that their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. What a description of our present day. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Sure, many of you had parents who put the fear of God in you. I did. Listen, 
you didn't just go do any old thing because you were scared of what was going to happen when you got home, right? You were going to receive the wrath of not only a teacher, a principal, but the wrath of a mother or a father. But that's not the case today, is it? Many, many, many instances. By the way, even among, can I say it, the church world. Unfortunately. I don't know where discipline has gone, but it has gone out the door and it shows. We won't ask the teachers that sit in our midst, but I guarantee you they have stories to tell. We're scared to discipline our children. And I remember my father telling me when I was young, I would rather end up in prison for disciplining you than have you end up in prison. Because an undisciplined child ends up where? In prison. And yes, that's not just children of the world, children of the bus. It's children within our ranks. Um, no fear of God. By the way, where do children receive a fear of God? By the way, fear is not just I'm scared. That's not what really this is. This is talking about reverence. A reverence of God that puts me to a point where I know I must listen. Where do they receive that? They receive that from their parents. I believe they receive it from the discipline that their parents give. By the way, grandparents, you have a role in this too. Smile. <clears throat> it's easy to complain about parents that aren't disciplining their children while you as a grandparent let everything go as well. So, <clears throat> Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. What a verse. By the things that you do, You are not justified before God. That's what that verse clearly says. I'm happy that you hold to the law. I'm happy that you do the things that God tells you to do. However, guess what? Those things do not justify us. By the way, however, it is possible that we can become unjustified by being disobedient to those things. Hope that makes sense. Because we're going to find out how we're justified. And I think this is important, uh, Brother John and others, in ministry to those who think they are justified by the things that they do. 
It's a really important verse. And we have a lot of those sitting within our ranks, not just here, but within the holiness movement. I've met them. They truly believe they are going to heaven by the things that they do. I've heard the question be asked and heard it answered. What is holiness? And then down a list of rules and and, and things that I keep. Folks, that is absolutely, completely, 100% dead wrong. Anyone who preaches that or teaches that isn't correct according to Scripture. That's not what holiness is. Right here we find, and the Apostle Paul then says what the law is for. What's the purpose of the law? The end of verse 20 gives us the purpose. He says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking about this same subject, and he says that the law is my schoolmaster. What does that mean? It is by the law, the law teaches us what is right and what is wrong. Right? However, that's not how we're justified. I like to say it this way, we are not saved by the things that we do. But if we are saved, we will do certain things. Why? Because a saved heart, a justified heart made righteous before God wants to please Him, wants to obey Him, wants to do right things. But we don't obey and please and do those right things to be saved. Why? Because there's no amount of things that we could ever do to sufficiently pay the price for our sins, ever. So, the sinner's character is described here as being deceitful, evil, feet that that, that shed innocent blood, misery, destruction. Boy, this is describing a whole lot of our cities today, isn't it? Because they are without the law. Isn't it interesting that the law is made for who? Those that actually keep it. Those that don't, don't care about the law. When we start talking about gun control and things like that, it's the gun control is not for criminals. It's for those of us that actually keep the law. Because criminals don't care. However, it is the law that teaches them what's right or what's wrong. 
But how can we be righteous before God? And this is the climax that the Apostle Paul is working toward. He's showing the Jews, number one, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's no difference between you as a Jew and me as a Gentile or a Greek. No difference. Our standing before God is equal. As unrighteous, sinful people, we are equal at the foot of the cross. And there's nothing that any of our righteousnesses can do for salvation and justification before God. And if we had to close our lesson there, how miserable it would be. But thank God the Apostle Paul keeps going, doesn't he? And how wonderful, because there's a cure. Now the righteousness of God, verse 21, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Here it is, verse 22, even the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? How do we live right before God? Which is... By faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Wow. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you didn't have to be a certain race, a certain color, from a certain family? from a certain uh, status. You didn't have to, your family didn't have to make so much money or not so much money or whatever the case. There's no difference. We're equal. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the great equalizer right here, this verse, isn't it? What is righteousness before God? How can we be righteous before God? Number one, it's through who? Through only Jesus Christ, period. This is a part of what Martin Luther so loudly proclaimed in his his great thesis at at Württemberg Castle when he posted that on on, on the door. Only through Jesus. By what? By faith. And yes, it's through his blood, but it's by faith and faith alone. I think as humans, very often, we think that might be, maybe that's too easy. We look at our unrighteousnesses, the things that we had, we've done, we think there has to be a way, something else that I have to pay, something I have to do. Right now, if you think about it, pray. If, if, if you were not aware, we need to be praying for a, a group from HIM who is presently in Mexico City um, right now. Uh, today is December the 10th, from the 9th through the 11th, right in there, is the great pilgrimage of Guadalupe. Um, Guadalupe being a virgin saint in Mexico that is highly revered. 
Um, I think her Saint Day, if I'm remembering right, is is the 11th of December, technically tomorrow, um, because we had a neighbor whose birthday was on the 11th. Um, by the way, Hispanics typically name their children according to the Saint Day that they're born on. Um, so. We have a pastor. His name's Guadalupe Perez Rivera. His first name's Guadalupe. What day do you think he's born on? December 11th, because that's his his saint day. Um, anyways, right now, a huge pilgrimage to the Basilica, uh, a massive, massive complex in Mexico City. Millions of people come in for that pilgrimage. And Gospel Publishing Mission is handing out, I believe it's 100,000 or 150,000 books specifically in regards to this to try to reach people. What they do on that pilgrimage, and here we're talking about what can we do as man to receive salvation. They will go to Mexico City. They will start on one side of the Basilica uh, property, um, and they will crawl on their knees a very, very lengthy distance, very, very long distance, all the way to the Basilica Steps. Then they will crawl all the way up these long, massive amounts of steps, and then crawl all the way down the middle aisle of the Basilica up to the front. Sometimes they'll do that on broken glass on purpose thinking that the more that they flagellate themselves, the more that they put uh, harm and punishment to themselves, that it will atone for more sins. All sorts of things like this throughout the world. Every religion outside of true Christianity, and I say true Christianity because technically Catholicism is linked as being Christian, Every other religion is trying to work their way to God. And the Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear there is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do to receive forgiveness of sins. It is only through the merits of Jesus Christ by faith and yes, that is literally believing. Now the Apostle Paul says later in Romans chapter 10, which we'll study later, but if you believe in your heart. So it's more than a mere assent, mental assent. I'm not just mentally saying, yes, I believe. Because James says the, the devils believe and tremble. But the devils aren't saved. Why? Because they are not giving belief, true faith out of a heart. What a privilege to be able to say, God, I believe in the merits of Jesus, in Jesus alone, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I have faith. My faith has found a resting place. It's not in device. It's not in a creed. It's not in something that I do. But I trust the ever-living word. His words shall plead for me. 
I don't need any other argument. I don't need any other plea. But it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes, we have all sinned. Yes, we're all in that condition before our regenerate state. But now, having received Jesus Christ freely, I did nothing. I gave nothing for this. It was free. His grace has justified me. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a substitute, someone in our place, through faith in his blood. And it's by all of this that he's able to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Wow. To declare, I say at this, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It is God that justifies us. We become just as if we had never sinned. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God offered to us freely Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing that we can do. Here I come, nothing do I bring, but simply in his grace and mercy do I cling. What a beautiful message at Christmas. Jesus came down for this purpose so that we might believe in him so he might die on the cross and through his blood we might have redemption. There's nothing we can do to receive that except through faith and his grace to us being freely offered. Accept it. That is the message of today, our lesson today. Aren't you glad that you're justified by faith. I'm grateful for Jesus Christ and his work of redemption in my life. Thank you for your attention.